At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. In three, two, one. Welcome to Operation Tango Romeo today. I have been trying for a while to get wounded warriors on the line and we have succeeded. It is awesome. Mr. Phil Ralph is the Director of Health Services at Wounded Warriors Canada and has been there in a couple of different roles for 15 years. Welcome to the show, Phil. Oh, thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. Um, Wounded Warriors, are you not the largest of all the charities, uh, veteran charities in the country? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you don't uh, count, you know, the very large one, the Royal Canadian Legion, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we, we, we're certainly up there. <laughs> did that, did uh, Wounded Warriors start in the States or is it a Canadian-born project? No, the, the interesting thing is uh, the name kind of started uh, in 2006 for for Wounded Warrior Project in in the states and uh, and the fund up here, uh, completely independent of one another. Okay, so just it was a coincidence that the names were close. Yeah, it just uh, I, I guess the name kind of made sense because that's who we serve. Okay. I've noticed a couple of other programs out there that are trying to piggyback off the Wounded Warriors Canada name. Have you noticed a few of those? Yeah, uh, I mean some of them some of them it's it, it's infor- unfortunate that that there are some groups that try to pass themselves off uh and that's that's a concern at times, but in, in the main our supporters and the people that know what we do know know what is Wounded Warriors Canada and uh, and what we stand for and uh and so we're excited by that. Well, it's important. There's um, so many different charities out there. And that's one of the reasons I'm glad to have you on here, Phil, because Operation Tango Romeo, among other things, is an aggregate for different services that are available to people. So I talk to all kinds of people from all kinds of pro- uh, programs, and they, they tell a little bit about what they do, what their offering is, and it's a kind of a one-stop shop for that. And just as a, a sidebar, there is an organization out of Calgary. Well, if you can call it an organization called our wounded warriors, and I, they have nothing to do with wounded warriors, Canada at all. So if you at, um, at a trade show, when those start again, uh, come across our wounded warriors, uh, there's actually a police investigation about those guys right now, but they have nothing to do with the Wounded Warriors Canada. I'm sure you've uh, come across them, Phil. Yeah, uh, many of our supporters out in Alberta uh, flag them over and over again, and uh, <laughs> I know that uh, yeah, there are some ongoing investigations, etc. I mean, if an individual wants to raise money and uh, and do good. Uh, that's great. There's lots of good to be done, but uh, trying to pass yourself off as something you're not, it's just not on. Yeah, it's not cool. Not cool at all. Now, uh, how long were you in the military as a reservist? So I was, uh, I was the uh, chaplain of uh, 32 Combat Engineer Regiment in Toronto for uh, just over 25 years. That's a stretch. Yeah, it was, it was just a little while. 
just a little while. And it's a, it's a tough role. It's a tough role. Uh, when you were a child, uh, chaplain, what did you do for self-care, uh, Phil? That's something I can understand. How did you not burn out in that role? Uh, that's one of the most difficult things. I mean, uh, uh, in the work that we do now uh, as a national mental health service provider, it's interesting as we as we watch uh, the veterans that have come to to engage with the programs that we have. Um, it, it's been interesting to watch the progress of, of uh, you know who comes first and then and then who comes further down the line. And, uh, uh, you know, when, when our programs first launched, of course, most of the veterans that, that sought out our services were from the, uh, mainly the conflicts in the 90s, uh, Bosnia, uh, Somalia, Rwanda, um, you know, those kinds of conflicts. Uh, and when they finally decided to, you know, to uh, their, their resources were, were exhausted and started to see our programming, and thought that they might be helpful. They started to come out and, would, you know, and the combat arms uh, individuals were kind of the first uh, to, to take advantage of our programs. And it wasn't until, you know, very long on, you know, people from health services uh, are, were very reticent to take up programs. And it, it's an interesting mindset and a good question you ask, because those of us that are in the, uh, the helping or caregiver professions, be it health services, be it, uh, you know, any of the support trades, et cetera, always, uh, you know, sees themselves in a role of being supportive of those that are on the pointy end. And, and that, that has a, um, sometimes a, a negative effect, effect in that, uh, because we're there for others trying to be strong for others that, that, uh, often, uh, members of those, uh, you know, medical and, uh, the, the chaplain's, uh, roles, uh, social workers, those of you know, don't really, um, not really good at taking care of themselves at times. No, that's true. I was a guest on uh, the Uptalk podcast with Sean po- Sean Conahan a little while ago, and he is now uh, the sales guy for the Boss Program or an ambassador for the Boss Program. And I see that yeah. uh, Wounded Warriors Canada has adopted that. How's that working out? Well, actually, uh, Wounded Warriors Canada. Uh, the boss program. I mean, uh, Megan McCallaren, who's the uh, the clinical, um, you know, brains behind uh, the Wounded Warriors Canada. The, the full name of the program is the Wounded Warriors Canada Boss Program. Okay. Uh, so, so, so Megan, uh, who's just a uh, you know top notch clinician, uh, one of the best in the entire country, and we're we're proud to have her as a Wounded Warriors Canada clinician. So Megan has been a facilitator on our COPE program, our Couples Overcoming PTSD program, our uh, Trauma Resiliency program. And uh, as we rolled out uh, many of the programs that we have that are um, group, so so our programs as a National Mental Health Service provider, just to give you some background, um, are are group-based. They are clinically facilitated. They uh, are all the subject of ongoing evidence and research, uh, and uh, to, to, to say that they're evidence-based and evidence-informed to make sure that best practices are being uh, followed. And, and uh, so in that, um, uh, that's when we, we met Megan, and she began to uh, uh, you know, facilitate our programs, become a, an important part of our team. Um, and then uh, as... Uh, 
our organization moved, uh, you know, out of, you know, out of Afghanistan, decided to become a, a uh, to focus uh, purely on mental health uh, services. Um, and then as, you know, around 2014, 15, um, we began to hear very, very loudly from uh, those that were in the first responder community uh, saying, you know, we see the transformative nature of Wounded Warriors Canada programming. But we love what you're doing for veterans and for serving members of the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, is there ever going to be a time when, when these programs might be available to uh, first responders, to us? Um, and uh, fortunately, that conversation really began around the time that provinces across the country started to introduce presumptive legislation for injuries like post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and so there, there was a real need uh, for the kinds of programs that, that we were offering. And we were just at the point when we uh, began to develop our, our clinical team uh, under the leadership of our clinical advisor, Dr. Tim Black out of the University of Victoria, uh, who's probably the, the, the foremost uh, clinician when it comes to trauma and, and military, the, the things that he's he's uh, developed and been part of over the years are just amazing. He would be an amazing guest for you, by the way. Uh, he could talk to the clinical end, um, you know, far more in depth than I can. Um, and uh, so as that began, uh, first responder organizations uh, and, and individuals began to come on our program, see its transformative nature, but then they began to say, wow, these concepts, these things that we're learning, these things that are that are now becoming part of our of our transformation and our healing, uh, wouldn't it have been great if we would have known some of these psychological tool uh, constructs and tools early? Wouldn't that have been great? Um, now, in the military, as as you probably know. Uh, we have a lot of time to do various courses and uh, seminars and various things. And, and that's the way tra ongoing training is structured. But in, in first responder organizations, they're out there on the front, front line all the time. And there's uh, not a lot of time for that. So, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the first responder organizations uh, piggybacked on what the forces had done, uh, came out with R2MR, but R2MR really, uh, didn't have the full fullness of uh, working with the trauma piece right. that uh, first responders see. So um, we uh, we began to talk to our team, and we said, "Is there anybody out there that's working on this uh, that, that 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 has an interest in this?" And Megan uh, was the first one from our team to step up. Said that she'd been using a lot of this with her her own practice. She'd run some uh, seminars for Red Deer Fire locally for Calgary Fire, um, and, and she was, you know, getting tired of seeing all these patients in, in her office and, and wished that, you know, something had been done earlier to make uh, workplaces trauma informed. So that that was really the genesis of the development of uh, uh, Wounded Warriors programming, not only being the downstream uh, treatment programs, uh, you know, TRP and COPE and and uh, the spousal resiliency program and the rest of our programs, but also then uh, looking at uh, creating trauma-informed workplaces. And, and BOSS was the, the first one of those, those programs. Uh, since, since its development, uh, we funded the initial research um, component. So it, it is a program that's been studied 
uh, academically uh, right from the very first delivery um, under the auspice of uh, SIPSERT uh, in, at the University of Regina. And so, because we think it's very important that, uh, that programs, I mean, testimonial evidence is great to say that, well, I went on this program, this was really helpful to me. Uh, but it's, that's one thing, and that's, that's really good, and there's a lot of helpful things out there. Um, and then there's the other side where, where, where it's actually researched, and people say, wow, this, this actually, you know, the research actually backs up what, what people are feeling that this actually is uh, uh, transformative. So the BOSS program is, uh, is a central piece to our, um, our delivery of our uh, trauma-informed workplace. Uh, out of that, uh, we also uh, developed, and this came directly out of uh, the uh, current situation with COVID-19 and the pandemic, uh, organizations were beginning to feel overwhelmed. Um, we got a cry, I guess it was a cry for help uh, locally here for one of the large uh, paramedic organizations that we're partnered with, uh, York Paramedics. Uh, we got a call from their wellness team uh, to say, uh, our leaders are really struggling to uh, with how to respond to the needs of their members during COVID-19 and, and, and the additional stress members. And uh, so what happened out of that was, Again, it was Megan who stepped forward, and uh, we we began to develop a program that is now called our Trauma Informed Leadership Program, um, because we found that one of the problems and one of the things with uh, with with uh, psychological injuries is uh, you know, and and the research is really starting to talk a lot about this is the whole concept of sanctuary trauma. Uh, it's, it's one thing that you're injured because of a traumatic incident or a series of incidents or cumulative incidents uh, as a result of you uh, serving Canada, whether it's uh, in the military or as a first responder. Uh, but then when you come forward with that injury, how does the organization that you are part of respond? Uh, and uh, evidence is beginning to show that sometimes uh, you know, it can be up to 50% of the individual's uh, trauma has to do with how that organization that was there to care for them has responded, uh, you know, negatively to to them coming forward with, with their injury. So helping senior management and helping uh, supervisors at all levels uh, understand um, trauma and the language and the, and the things that are learned in, by their members in programs like our BOSS program or our trauma resiliency uh, training program that will be uh, delivered uh, to the entire uh, Vancouver Police Department. In the, uh, Is that in the Trauma-Informed Leadership Program? Yeah, so Trauma-Informed Leadership Program really has three parts. Um, so the leadership program, uh, uh, I mean, Trauma-Informed, okay, I'm sorry, really has three parts, the trauma-informed leadership, which is to deal with the leadership, uh, the BOSS program, which is uh, pretty intensive when we're allowed to do it in person. It is, uh, it is a 16-hour uh, in-person uh, divided up, you know, with time between the hours to process each of those uh, uh, modules that's taught, and uh, we've, we've been able to transform it to an eight-hour virtual delivery which means that uh, everyone in the country can access it. And uh, it has been utilized extensively, particularly by 
uh, those in the wellness teams and those in the, that are supporting uh, members, those in the and in, in the uh, in their peer support teams. Um, some services have gone beyond that and tried to get it to more and more members, but since the maximum group size is 10 to 12, it takes quite a long time. And then uh, we we developed with Tim Black, our national uh, clinical advisor, a program called the Trauma uh, Resiliency Training, which is our first ever train-the-trainer program, where uh, Dr. Dr. Black and a colleague will come into a service and uh, train peers for uh, three days, up to 25 peers, and then they'll take the material, which will be licensed for a year, and they can deliver it to uh, their entire force, and that works really well for larger services such as the Vancouver Police Department, which is a very large uh, service, as you know. Tell me about the service dog program. There's a lot of um, misunderstandings and misconceptions about why service dogs. What's the best way to describe to people why service dogs are important and what they do? Uh, Well, um, I mean, what what they do when they're properly trained and, and when they, they meet the, the standards uh, that, that, uh, that they are to meet, they, they can be really transformative in people's lives. Um, they, uh, you know, it, it's really a partnership. The key thing that people need to understand about uh, service dogs is once the dog is, is, is at a point in training where that dog is paired with an individual, uh, it really is a partnership. It's a partnership between that individual who, who is the handler, who uh, is paired with that dog, and the dog uh, itself. So that um, the dog is trained to, to alert um, uh, you know, the client, uh, the, the handler, with, uh, at, at times uh, when they're experiencing um, some disassociation or, or whatever else is, is, is part and parcel of their uh, their mental health injury. Um, and, 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 you know, people think that it's, uh, that there's some kind of great, uh, uh, mystery there and, and, uh, intuition, but really it has to do with the fact that, uh, dogs have a very, very keen sense of smell. And, uh, when we get anxious, when things are happening to us, uh, our body chemistry changes. So dogs are aware of it way before, the changes that are going on inside of us just because of what's happening uh, uh, physiologically to us during a psychological episode. And the dog can, can uh, really brings a person back to being uh, grounded in the here and now. Mindfulness. Yeah. You're here. uh, You're not, you know, you're not there. And this is where uh, we need to, we, we, we need to be. So, um, so yeah, that's, that, that, that's the, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's still a very difficult landscape out there trying to, to, to get, uh, uh, enough, uh, trainers and, uh, and dogs that, that, that meet, uh, the standards. What are some of the top myths of PTSD? The education and awareness has really done wonders in the last five years, I would say. It's just been a quantum leap from 20 years ago but there's well, still I mean, still the, lots of myths out there yeah and, and the myths you know there there are people that uh you know there are people that that i could talk to you about that have actually experienced what sometimes has been termed a post-traumatic growth 
um, you know, as a result of their injury, they've really had to examine themselves, uh, where they are and, and, and are probably some of them, uh, if, if you do the clinical work and work on, you can, you know, some of them are some of the most, most, uh, self-aware people, uh, that, that I know. And, and so, and, and many of them have, have, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've even talked to a few that said at this point of, of my life, I'm actually uh, a better person. Uh, not that I wish, you know, would wish this uh, this uh, diagnosis on anyone, but but I've but I've I've learned through this, and uh, it, it's pretty amazing to see when. But uh, it's 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 not easy at times. Um, and then there's the myth that you know that when uh, someone receives a diagnosis of, of PTSD or a related, um, you know, uh, severe anxiety, depression. That that that's the end. That they're you know that's kind of it for them. Uh, that, that that they can't they can't be functional and u- useful. But the reality is uh, they they can be and they are. And some of them are doing some of the best work. Uh, you know, uh, following their diagnosis. What are some of the misconceptions uh, as far as the perception of somebody that's injured with PTSD? Uh, well, that they can, that they're going to snap at any time, <laughs> that, you know, that, uh, that, that, that there's somehow, um, you know, that, that, that they can't, you know, they can't function in a, in a normal workplace. Um, uh, obviously if, 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 if the, if the injury is left untreated, uh, then then that can be that can be true that you know they they can get very um, you know isolated and 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 uh, go into a very dark place. But if if uh, with the proper uh, and and it's also important you know we know as with anything it's it, it's like physical health. Uh, the earlier uh, one seeks treatment, the earlier that one uh, takes care of themselves. Uh, the better and the, and, the, and the greater the chances of recovery. Absolutely. And it's never too late to start. There's unfortunately, it's all yeah. too common that uh, people like myself went undiagnosed for over 20 years. And you're so right about the self-awareness. I was completely unself-aware. Of course, you tell anybody that and they get quite offended, but, but it was yeah. true. I had no idea yeah. what I was, um, uh, how my behavior was affecting others or that I was even a problem. I had no idea that I was the jerk, but, um, uh, but now where I am after three or four years of a whole lot of work, I am more self-aware than the vast majority of people uh, and definitely more self-aware than I even thought possible. But Phil, thank you so much for being on Operation Tango Romeo today. What's the best way for people to check out all the different programs at Wounded Warriors Canada? Well, I'd say to any uh, uh, serving member of the Canadian Forces or veteran or first responder out there or their families, I mean, one of the things that we're really um, proud of at Wounded Warriors Canada is that our programming doesn't only see the injury through the lens of the individual. Uh, that that we are social beings and often, uh, you know, the injuries that or just, you know, we all know that, that our life affects others. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, really the, 
the current path we're on with our with our programming really started with a couples program, couples overcoming PTSD every day, and then not knowing that those not everybody's willing to bring a couple, uh, willing to bring their spouse or has a spouse. Um, we we developed the trauma resiliency program for individuals, and then because that 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 individual can become the focus of the household. Uh, how, what, how do the spouses care for themselves and, and the vicarious trauma that they take? So we have a spousal resiliency program. And then how do you explain that to children? We've, we've invested in research. I mentioned research earlier, and we have two. We have one fantastic um, doctoral scholar that received the Wounded Warriors Canada PhD scholar, our third uh, doctoral scholarship. Um, and we now are announcing our eighth. Uh, but uh, Helena is a, is a clinician in uh, Edmonton, and she brought to us uh, the Warrior Kids program. How do you explain what's going on uh, to mom or with mom or dad to uh, to young children? And so we we have this amazing Warrior Kids program that takes place both virtually and uh, in person with camps uh, when when we can meet again. Uh, so and uh, and soon. Um, we're going to release a brand new program uh, called the Spousal Survivors Program, which uh, will deal with uh, spouses who who uh, need to deal with the trauma of losing uh, their loved one, either in the line of duty death or uh, due to suicide. So, uh, you know, treating the whole the whole community is very important. Not, you know, it's not just uh, an individual thing. It, it has to do with your family as well. And and those that care for you um, so that they understand what's going on and, and together you can work on these things. Absolutely. All too often the families, uh, supposes the children are left out of the conversation and, yeah, and they, they suffer as and all much our as... Programs and, yeah, all our programs and overviews are, are on our website, uh, www.woundedwarriors.ca. Uh, and applying for them is very easy. At the bottom of every program is a button that says apply now. Uh, it's a simple one-page, just basic information sheet, and then our uh, health health services coordinator will get in touch with you and let you know when there's the next opening. And because of the marvelous support that we get from coast to coast uh, by uh, Canadian businesses and by uh, Canadians uh, who really care about those who who stand on the vanguard and and uh, serve our nation in uniform. Uh, whether uh, overseas or or here at home each and every day, um, you know, it uh, doesn't really matter where uh, or when, uh, you know, your trauma uh, affected you. Um, I'm, I'm the son of a, of a firefighter that, uh, that fought, that, uh, that fought uh, a mental health injury, you know, at a time when nobody um, would talk about it and uh, saw what it, saw what it did in our family. So, uh, you know, we just encourage people to reach out to uh, apply for our programs. And then when the, and uh, the other thing is that there is uh, no cost to uh, to the veteran or for, to the first responder or to their family to participate in our programs. Well, Phil, what you do and what everybody at WWC does helps and saves lives and helps to relieve pain. So thank you for your continued service to the community. Well, thank you, Mark, and thanks. And you have a uh, you have a great uh, Christmas season. Take care and stay safe. Alrighty, stay on the line, Phil. You are listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast.
At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. <laughs>